You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Health Hub on Radio Maria Canada. Our producer is Alex Diaz, and I am your host, Kathy Biasse, and thanks so much for tuning in. We have a great interview coming your way with Mads Freeze. We are going to be talking about biohacking and specifically Nordic biohacking. But uh, first, let me take care of a few housekeeping items here. You can keep up to date, informed about our show and upcoming guests by following us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC on all three locations. Our email is thhradiomaria.ca. If you want to have direct contact with us, we look at it all the time. If you have any ideas for show guests, if you have any health concerns that you want us to try and seek out to professionals, uh, experts on, do let us know. And also, please subscribe to our podcast. We are the Health Hub on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, all your favorite podcast platforms. And you can find all of our podcasts on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is radiomaria.ca, and on my website, which is kathybsa.com. So as mentioned, uh, one of my favorite things to talk about is how to create better health without going to the extremes. And when we talk about biohacking, um, there is a, a big umbrella of biohacking. But specifically today, we're going to be talking about Nordic biohacking, which is more of a a natural nature way of trying to improve our health. And our guest Mads is the founder of the growth Island. It's a podcast on health performance, business and life's bigger mysteries covering more than 70 episodes with global experts. One of his biggest passions is building health-related impact ventures, and during the past years, he has co-built three successful startups with Crane. With his background in management consulting experience from Deloitte and his own experience from startups, Mad started actively training startups and worked with over 150 global teams, playing sports at a high level and discovering many studies on personal growth and performance led Mads into a continuous research journey. He found that many resources focus 80% on the problems and only 20% on the solutions. And now he is on a mission to flip that statistic around to help more people. It's a very interesting topic. It will help us all to focus more on accessible ways to help improve our health. Uh, some of the things that we'll be talking about are, um, you know, d diving deep into what Nordic biohacking actually is. So Mads will explain to us what Nordic biohacking is. What are the potential negative effects of biohacking? And there are definitely some negative effects. So we will talk about that as well. And we are going to discuss what MADS top biohacks are. So everybody, please stay tuned. This is a wonderful conversation. And we'll be back in a few minutes to talk to MADS Freeze.
are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back. Everybody has mentioned our show today is being taped, so no opportunity for calling in. Please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC on all locations. Mads, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Been looking it's, forward to it. Uh, me as well. It's such a it's such a, a pleasure having you with us. Uh, we have a very interesting well, major topic and subtopics to talk about. Um, We've read your bio. It's just a taste of who you are and what you do. Uh, how did you get into this wellness space? So I've always been super curious about what uh, what drives happiness. It's really been the big question and what drives performance. Mm-hmm. And so my first, like my teen years and so on, was very much about psychology and reading about that. And then I realized in my mid-20s that uh, the whole biology mattered a lot as well. Like just running and like exercising wasn't the full picture. And then that's been a big passion uh, for the last many years to, to dive into like what actually makes a difference. Like what are the small hacks and so on that, uh, that can give us the life that we want. When you talk about performance, are you talking about uh, physical performance? Are you talking about performance at work? What, what, what area are you, are you speaking of specifically? So performance, both when it comes to sport when I was younger, when I was mm-hmm. playing elite sports, but then also when I got older in regards to performance at work, um, I got into, um, you could say very nerdy at my uh, <laughs> university. Um, I was lucky to be selected to be part of a team that had to solve cases against other universities around the world. So basically it was like, uh, instead of a, a football team, you have a, a nerd team that uh, goes and try and solve problems for companies. Um, <laughs> That was like I love competing and learning new things, and there I started discovering like some of the people that were just much much smarter than myself. Um, so I've always been curious about whatever you do, like what does it take to have the full focus, or that you learn things faster, or you have that energy. And then also in regards to like, which is more important than performing at work, is having the energy to be around the people that you love, mm-hmm. and being able to be present with them. I think that's many people lose track of the importance they focus on only work or sport instead of actually focusing on the important thing is feeling good in your body and being present with the people around you i never really equated performance with relationships i've uh, no. no that's that's a very interesting look at and and how how you know give us a taste of how you would tell somebody to improve their performance with a relationship so there are many ways and i think the first just is actually being um, aware like, how do you show up? And I'm very aware I might not be the best boyfriend, but at least I, I make an effort and I think about before I walk in the door. Uh, just take that second to breathe. And then, like, when you walk in, like, bring your best self. Same as you do with work. That's not the same as you shouldn't be fully yourself when you come in. But there's still, like, that ability of actually just breathing and then being like, okay, now I'm going to go in and I'm actually with a loved one and I want to give the best of myself. And then we can also talk about that difficult day and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. then the other part I think is so crucial is all the, like actually having the energy. Too many people come home from work and they have no energy left. So basically we give the best of ourselves to work and actually giving that to our partner, right? Can you plug in by focusing on different things when you walk in the front door? I think so. I think the first is like being present of like, how do you want to meet that other person? So when you come back home, but I think it's also doing the other things like exercising, sleeping and so on. So you have that energy when you come home, because otherwise, if you don't get proper sleep, if you don't get the exercise and eat proper, it's very likely that when you come home, you don't have any energy left. Hmm. It can also happen even though you eat properly, even though you sleep good and, uh, and you exercise, right? So I think it's even more important. Uh, when we are most of us having jobs that are taking so much focus that that we focus on those things not just for the job but actually for being being a good partner that's that's a very interesting take on health and relationships i mean we we i think we kind of intuitively know that the more the more present we are and the the more energy we have the better our relationships but eating for a good relationship and sleeping for a good relationship is um it may be understood but i've really actually never had someone speak to that point it's very interesting i think that's what you should really do it for much yeah, more right. than your job right like like who's the most important person that's yourself and your loved ones right like you're doing all that stuff just to optimize for your work instead of actually optimizing for uh, 
for being there with your loved ones. I think the same, like, I don't have kids yet, but I dream of getting kids one day. Yeah. Like, I want to be able to be present. I want to be able to uh, play with them, bend down, all of that stuff. So part of my exercise, you know, I have a very stiff body, is mm-hmm. that I want to get more flexible for the day when I have kids that I can play around, crawl around with them, um, which is much more important than performing as work. That's that's a fantastic line you've drawn out here uh, to make that. I, I never really... Th- thought or conceptualized um, preparing our bodies and physically, mentally, of course, but physically through sleep and through nutrition to better our relationships and, and, and to have that as paramount in our life. I think changing the focus is an amazing thing that uh, you've just enlightened me with. It's, it really isn't a, a, it's a very interesting concept. Now, when we talk about things like this and, and, you know, we want to get into obviously what um, your, your real, space is here is in biohacking. Um, I, I, want, I don't want to lose that. I want to make sure that we bring those connections when we start talking about biohacking and Nordic biohacking. Um, so, so we want to differentiate the two, or I, I'm assuming that the Nordic biohacking is under the umbrella of the overall trend. But maybe you could give us a little bit of a, of a definition of a concept of what you understand as biohacking. Happy to. So Dave Asprey kind of coined the biohacking term. Mm-hmm. And people have different understandings of what biohacking is. And if someone was hoping to hear about how to put chips in your hands or in your brain, that's not what Nordic biohacking is about. And that's not really what Dave Asprey is advocating either. So Nordic biohacking, we say, is the science and art of optimizing your health, performance, and well-being with the help of nature and technology. So where Nordic biohacking might be a kind of an under uh, thing of biohacking, a little bit different than the normal biohacking is to focus on first nature and then technology. So we love technology. Uh, hyperbaric oxygen chambers, saunas, uh, wearables, all of those things are super fascinating. But we try and look at first, like what's the natural component that we can do to have the most energy, to perform at our best. And then also looking afterwards at like, okay, what's the technology component or other things that nature can't do by itself? So we need to focus on technology. So it's basically like the reason why we put nature first and technology second. It's not because we don't love technology, but too many people get lost in technology instead of actually focusing on just breathing, mm-hmm. uh, getting sun instead of uh, supplementing with D vitamin. When we live in the Nordics, you need to most likely supplement the winter month. But again, focus on the natural part. And it's called Nordic because it's more of a concept that has come from the Nordic area or how is that coined? Yeah, so basically you can see the leading figures in the Nordic region are speaking much more about nature. So that's why we kind of said like um, the community driving it here in Denmark, uh, biohacking, we are very focused uh, on our meetings as well and so on and on stressing the natural component. Uh, you see the Finnish, which have been pioneering as well. I love the biohacking with uh, Oli on a doctor from uh, from Finland and Timo. Uh, they also focus a lot on nature. Even though if you Google Timo, you'll see him with weird things on his brain, but I did an interview with him and he was mostly talking about nettles despite of him having tried most of the text, um, then it's very much that focus on nature. That's why we call Nordic biohacking to kind of say like, hey, uh, we love technology, but let's also look at the nature part. But it now, doesn't mean that we, we don't like wearables and we don't like hyperbaric oxygen chambers or looking at uh, the newest technologies and so on. It's just now, more of that balance of not getting carried away with technology. Which is an important piece because I think the word biohacking people automatically go to the Fitbits and, and so forth. Um, now, I may be saying this wrong, but Hagu, is that right? The, uh, One more time. Sorry? One more time. The Hagu, uh, the relaxation space, you know, that book that came out that was so popular. What, what is that? Um, is it not called Hagu? H-A-G-G-U-E? Am I, have I got that completely wrong? Ah, uh, are you saying Hugo? Hugo, okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Yeah, that's the Danish word, hygge. Um That is part of very p- big part of our culture. It is. Um, yeah. And is that, would you classify that as a biohacking? So basically, uh, um, what many people don't talk about, but which is when you look at like biohacking, we look at what are the fundamentals for living a good life. And one of them that is often overlooked is the social connections. We know that social connections are absolutely key for living a good life. And hygge is often part of social connections and having a good time, uh, relaxing. So it's definitely, you could say, that's part of, uh, of biohacking and something we exercise a lot here in the Nordic region. 
Oh, amazing. Now, um, let's get sort of deeper into the Nordic. Now, when you talk about nature, when you talk about biohacking with nature, can you be more specific for us so that we here and the other parts of the world can kind of lock into this as well? Sure. So just a few more words about biohacking. Um, sure. We look very much at the 80-20, so the Pareto optimization. Like, how can we get 80% of the results with 20% of the effort? And that's always super hard. Um, and that's where a lot of biohackers go wrong, is that they focus on the supplements instead of the food first. So macro over micro. So we try and see, like, what are the few efforts where we get most of the results? And that's when... It can sound kind of boring if you just have an introduction to biohacking because most of the things are stuff that you heard before, before we go to the more advanced stuff. The other part that's important to understand about biohacking is kind of the understanding of both art and science. So what biohacking is very much funded in is that we love the art of science, meaning that we look at studies and we look at the, thread, the trend of like what is actually working. So we prefer to find if you have a double blindness but double-blinded study or something else, we look at what's the trend, what's working for the majority of people. But we also know that there are outliers. So those outliers, you might be that outlier. So it's extremely important to figure out what is working for you, not just what's working for the majority of people. And some of those outliers are also the highest performers. So is there something that they are doing that we should do instead? So that's why we say we love the art of science. Mm -hmm. because science is really an art as well to understand and and use it on yourself and then the term that you'll hear in normal biohacking as well is n equals one that everyone repeats basically meaning that you have a sample size of one so look at the studies first and then try those out and see if it works on yourself because it might not do and the last part is really that we say it comes from ancestral wisdom and modern science is that we love double blinded studies but there's also a lot of stuff that we don't have double blinded studies on and Meditation is a fantastic example. It wasn't more than 10, 20 years ago that we thought that the brain couldn't change after you became an adult. That was a scientific fact. And people that said otherwise were crazy and weird from the East, right? But today we now know that the science was not correct back then. We now know that the brain can actually change. And we now have the Western science to prove it. And we've been able to see that a lot of things have been moving like the ancestral wisdom that we're starting to prove. Fasting is one of the hottest things right now mm -hmm. in the longevity space. That's something that's been done for for like thousands of years. Um, being grateful is something we're starting to see. We also now know that if you uh, eat your protein and your fat first before your carbs, your um, uh, glucose levels won't rise as much. When you look at traditional ways of eating in many countries, you'll see that they ate that way without really knowing it. So, so we're very curious about what is ancestral wisdom. Can you test it on yourself to see if you feel better, despite that we don't have the double-blinded studies, but we prefer if we have some double-blinded studies. There was a longer um, explanation, but it's quite important to kind of understand the fundamentals of how to look at different tests that you do as a biohacker. Well, if someone wants to, okay, they're going to go listen to the show and say, I'm going to start biohacking. Are they setting yes. a goal? Uh, I want to have more memory. I want to lose weight. Or is the overall picture, you know, sometimes I think we get stuck in the minutia of this and the overall picture should just be, how do we get healthier body, mind, and soul? Yeah. So basically you want to ask yourself first, what do you want to accomplish? Because like... There's so many things you can try out, right? You read the newest magazines, you hear this podcast, and you're like, okay, now i got to implement these 10 things, where that might not necessarily lead to the happy life. So it's very much you start by asking yourself, what do you want to accomplish? And then you look for what are biohacks that actually helps you with that. And then you look at, does it solve or provide data on something that you're trying to address? Like, is there already something that you want to improve? Is there any science that backs the claim of it? Does it save your time? Does it provide joy or pleasure? Like, we're already beating ourselves up with way too mm -hmm. many things that are just like, like, biohacking shouldn't be to live a stricter life. It should be live a joyful life to give you the energy to be around the people that you love. And then I often ask, can I test it easily and with low cost? So a, big, a good example would be sleep. Many people have challenges with sleep, and we know it's extremely important. So then you can look at what can you actually do to improve it. We know that a natural biohack, you can say, or to improve your sleep is the temperature. How warm is it in the room? You don't want it more than 21 degrees. I think the ideal is between 16 and 19 Celsius, something like that. That's one thing that we know that's a natural thing. The other thing that we know naturally is really good is that you have blinders, or like basically meaning that you sleep in a very dark room. 
because our skin and so on also have sensors for light. So those are like natural things. And the other natural thing you could do if you want to optimize your sleep, for example, is that you don't have the blue light exposure. So we have blue light from our screens, from light bulbs and so on. And it suppresses the melatonin production. So another natural thing you could do there would be to limit that or turn off your screens. And then if you then go to technology, you might wear a pair of blue blocking glasses. So that's where it kind of goes from the natural part to like technology where mm -hmm. we can see that we need to change something that helps us. Or you might take some magnesium in the evening. Um, many different things that you can actually do to improve their sleep. Or you might have a tracker to give you a better idea of your sleep. Can we get too overconsumed by constantly trying to fix things, make things better? Um, yes. <laughs> which will just go completely against what you're trying to accomplish. Definitely. And many people in the biohacking space um, are definitely going too far and it ends up being more of a mental burden than the joy of living life. They end up forgetting why they're doing it. And sleep tracker is a perfect example. There's now actually a disease classified that people that are worrying too much about their sleep. <laughs> so, so, but that's the same thing as training. Is everything in the right balance, right? So you have people that are overtraining, and that's kind of a disease. The same thing if you end up uh, being too concerned about measuring every single thing. Mm -hmm. Often, I would actually recommend that you measure some stuff to get an understanding, and then you can optimize some stuff, and then potentially take the measurement away or not worry too much about it. And so it's important to kind of distinguish between are you sick, so it's like functional medicine, where you're getting from sick to okay, or are you already okay and looking at getting to optimal, right? Mm -hmm. And many people in the biohacking space and the ones that get really good as well often have a disease or something else they're trying to get rid of. So they optimize for every single thing. They spend so much time on the last 20% that takes 80% of the effort. Mm -hmm. But everyone that's already healthy, they don't need to spend the same amount of time on the last 20% because the body is already so strong and deal with so many things. So it's very important for, to actually figure out where are you and what makes sense to optimize. And especially the mental part as well, does it stress you out or does it give you energy? I think it's super fun when I get to test something new. I just got something for a teeth whitening, which is like a red light and blue light. And I get super excited about testing that out. But if you get that and you think like, oh, are my teeth getting white? enough and so on and you're getting stressed about it then is it then it's really not good for your mental health i had um i wore a fitbit i've stopped wearing uh, I, the apple watches for that very reason um my number if, if a number came up it's like oh wow my heart rate is a little higher than it was before or and the sleep one it just was just so counterintuitive to what it was supposed to do. I, I wore it for two nights and both nights yeah. I'm thinking as I go to bed, okay, you need to have a good sleep. You need to have a good reading. And do you think that I could fall asleep? I was so worried about what my reading would be the next day that I couldn't fall asleep. And so I just gave up on that. It was, it was, I, and I think you have to know your own personality when it comes to some of these things. I, I really do. I think you could drive yourself crazy. You definitely can. It definitely can. And we also have, diff as you say, different personality. Or the big five personality types we look at, um, you will see if you take a test like that, that some people have a higher tendency to take it in a negative way. Yes. Um, so that's very important to be aware of because then um, it's actually damaging you more than actually helping. And exactly if you're like too worried about that sleep tracker. I think sleep, sleep trackers uh, in general is something to be more careful of. I had the O-ring, I have a Fitbit, a Garmin watch, and I've tried a bunch of stuff because I think it's interesting and it's like one third of our, of our like, uh, day that we're sleeping. Mm -hmm. But they are not accurate at measuring uh, sleep stages. And yeah. that's a problem if people think it and they see like, oh shit, I had 10 minutes of deep sleep, I shouldn't be able to function. They're good at measuring heart rate variability and different things. So if you can take it for only that and get something useful out of it, it makes sense. But otherwise, I also interviewed on my own podcast a psychologist uh, who was associated with Berkeley, and he's focused on sleep. And he was like, most people that have problems with sleep, I make sure that they don't have any watches or anything else. Yep. Uh, but instead, they write down a diary, simply because the mental part is so extremely strong. You have to understand what you're going to do with the results. There are people that will get the results, and if they're a little bit negative... Okay, awesome. Now I know what to do to help improve myself. Some people get results 
that are not where they want them to be or negative results to their health. And then they get anxious. They get worried. And I think it's so very important that you identify who yourself. It's not better. It's not worse. It's who you are. And I personally am one of those ones who, if I get a negative result, it's like, oh, geez. Okay. So now I've really got to work. And that just does not work for me. And that's why I have given up counting steps. I have given up all of that stuff because it just, I, I become too, too obsessed. And I think it's very important that we understand where, where our personalities lie and where we need to sort of step back. But when we get to the next segment, uh, Mads, we're going to take a quick break here. Let's talk about the, the nature piece of it, because that comes to us, I think, a lot more in a calm way, a lot less intrusive way, if we can immerse ourselves in more of the natural biohacks. So everybody, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. You are the light of the world. Continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. 
Hi, everyone. Welcome back. We're talking about biohacking with Mad Freeze, Mads Freeze. And um, we're, we're going to continue along because um, I think we're, we're kind of, Mads, we're opening up this pathway. I know it's kind of a personal pathway for me, but I think it's applicable to a lot of people. And, um, you know, I don't like getting results. I get a little anxious about getting tested. I've had a negative experience um, with my health. And I think, um, you know, with having had cancer, I think that when I approach some of the biohacking, this is what gets me anxious. And I think it's important, you know, to continue along this conversation and how you can associate things in a negative way when we're talking about biohacking. Yeah, and that's super important. Like the whole notion of biohacking is also the N equals one. Um, so figuring out what works for you. And it's super natural that if you've been through a cancer, uh, what do you call it? A diagnosis. Yeah, diagnosis and that journey, that you have um, a neuroassociation with something super bad with getting blood tests. Because that's what your brain connects to, to being sick. So then you might want to do less of that and focus instead of the natural part. So that's again going back to the core of biohacking, figuring out what works for you. So I personally love to get blood tests because it gives me data that I can act on, but I don't have it associated to something negative. And it's the same thing with supplements. For me, I associate supplements with me empowering myself, but other people, especially older people, they associate it with being sick. So whenever they take these supplements out, they look at them and the brain are thinking, I'm sick. So that also creates a different effect in the body than if you look at it and think like, this is what's going to make me into a Superman. So again, it's super important to figure out like, how are you reacting? And a lot of things with biohacking, actually something that, I, something that I thought about a lot in regards to making my own podcast is sometimes the awareness of that something can be bad for you, uh, if you don't do anything about it, is worse than the negative effect from it. So let's say the blue light, uh, that you're suddenly so anxious about, oh shit, now I'm not getting proper sleep, my melatonin is not going to be that good. Not telling you about blue light might have been better, if you don't put the blue blockers on or something else, mm-hmm. or you don't put the easy uh, screen um, changes on. So, so it is really important to figure out where are you and what baggage are you coming with in regards to what works well for you and where is there going to be a mental blocker that's actually going to end up having a net negative effect. Can we use biohacking as a, just an avenue for overall health, especially in the Nordic area? Uh, the meditation. Can you give us other examples of natural biohacking that can be just a wellness experience as opposed to a targeted health initiative? For sure. So there's, there's many. Cold water is fantastic. That's again the Nordic. It's cold. It needs to be less than, I think it's 21 degrees. I had a scientist on that said then they considered cold water for the studies at least. We know that have a ton of uh, positive effects. We can go more into them, but otherwise we can go to other ones. We know grounding. And please just interrupt me and if we should go more into the benefits. But grounding is basically just that you take your shoes off, you put your feet on the ground, it might be the grass and or the sand. It's still what we call emerging science, but most people intuitively know it feels good. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why kids love it, right? They mm-hmm. take the shoes off if they have the chance because they're more in tune with their body. And then like where the emerging science is coming in is that we've been able to uh, do some tests and see that the inflammation actually uh, lowers in a human if I think it's like 20 minutes of grounding. It's still small studies and you'll definitely have the critics saying like the studies are too small, the quality is not big enough or good enough. But there are studies starting to show what we intuitively know and which mm-hmm. is kind of the ancestral wisdom. So that's another thing, just basically taking your, your shoes off, walking barefoot in the sand or in the grass if you have the chance. So I do it like most mornings, I go swimming. That's also grounding when you get in water. But otherwise, when I sit and meditate, I make sure that I have my feet out on the ground. Now, can we go back to the water? Um, yeah. What is the benefit of cold water? So cold water have several benefits. One of them is um, autophagy. It uh, helps in the process of autophagy. Autophagy is when we uh, have our cells that's kind of eating the cells. So like the bad parts of the cells get recycled, which is a really good process. And cold water assists in that. Is Another this a cold water bath or is this... Turning in the shower, turning it to cold for 30 seconds. If, if you go uh, 30 seconds in like full cold water immersion, 
um, that happens. If you just take a cold shower, you get some benefits. I'm not sure whether it's actually enough for autophagy. Um, but there are other benefits of uh, of cold water as well. Like basically, just it sharpens you as well. Like you'll feel you get more fresh. So you can take the try and go into a shower, and if you go out with a warm shower versus a cold shower, and you'll feel that you are more alert when you go out after a cold shower. Mm-hmm. Often when we talk about cold shower, it's actually full immersion. So like in let's say a pool or in the ocean where you're actually in it. Um, we know it also stimulates uh, brown fat tissue. Brown fat tissue are important for uh, for organs. Uh, we have brown fat tissue and we have white fat tissue. Um, and the brown is kind of decreasing once we get older. So we know it helps there. We also know it helps balancing different stress hormones. Um, so there's several things, but most people can just do the 30 second shower. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you have the chance, actually go into, yeah, into the ocean, which, get, which does a lot of good stuff for us. What other ones are more, we talked about meditation. So meditation, grounding, uh, what are your favorites? Breath work. Ah, uh, yes. Breath work <laughs> is so fantastic. And there's so many things that you can do. It doesn't have to be complex. You can do the simple uh, box breathing, which is five seconds in, hold for five, sorry, four seconds in, hold for four seconds, four seconds out, hold for four seconds, and you do that. That calms the nervous system. You can mm-hmm. do Wim Hof breathing, which gives you this tingling feeling in the, in your arms. You can do deep, just belly breathing, just becoming aware of your breath. There's so many ways where breath is so fantastic and doesn't cost any money, which is mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I love it. The, and this um, fast, yeah. Sorry, I, I've just, uh, I, I'm really getting into the, the breathing and the breath work. And um, I read James Nestor's book uh, and, and it was just fascinating for me. And I've actually got this little gizmo where um, you breathe in, you set the, the tension for breath in and you breathe in and then you let it out slowly. It's just a little mouth breathing um, to expand the lungs, to to uh, help with the health of the diaphragm, which I think is uh, a muscle. I don't know if you would classify that as an organ that is completely overlooked. Um, breath work, I think, is a fantastic area to go down. And, and what would you say are the benefits of breath work? It's calming down the system, I think, is the main thing, is that you become present. So often we're in our head or we're moving on to the next thing or like stressed about different things and alert, which there's no reason to be because we don't have sable tigers hunting us. So it's like <laughs> we were living like we're living safe life, but we're living like sable tigers are chasing us. Mm-hmm. And the breath works uh, helps you get present and realizing there's no sable tigers hunting you. It's so important and it's so accessible that, you know, when I talk about breath work, I kind of get into that mindset of habit and and really focusing on, um, you know, you have to get into the habits of these natural biohacks. Is there a relationship between healthy habits, healthy health and healthy biohacking? So the link that I often find is missing in the biohacking circle is that we don't always talk enough about habits. Okay. because the habits is like it's fine that you know about all these crazy biohacks but the important thing is actually what you do right often we know most of the stuff that we have to do but we don't do it and how do we start to establish healthy patterns of biohacking yeah so that's another really exciting subject and there's so many angles into it like the speed talk is really making sure that you find the habits that support who do you want to be so we know identity is extremely important. Most people build habits according to a goal that they want to reach. So like they want to run a marathon or they want to lose 10 kilos. But what often happens after that is they gain back those 10 kilos or they stop running. Where if you start building habits actually from who do you want to be, it's much easier to actually sustain it. So you want to be a runner instead of someone that ran a marathon. You want to be, a, for me, example, like when we talked earlier, I want to be a a dad who can move around. And if I want to be a dad that can play with my kids and move around, I need to be more flexible. So then I'll find habits that underscores that. And then it's really important that we make the habits tiny so we can start building them because often we start with these huge habits. We want to change so many things and it just fails. Like we're not, we're not built for that. Mm-hmm. And a simple tip, um, BJ Fogg, who wrote a brilliant book called Tiny Habits. is He was a guest on our show, yes. 
Fantastic. He is he's fantastic. When he talks about actually stacking habits, right? So how do you get a habit? It's easier to build a habit on an existing habit. So you, so I think one of his examples, he might have said that on the podcast as well, or the radio, is that after the toilet, like what do you do? Or after you walk past a door, a specific door, you do something. So for me, I have, when I walk past my bedroom door, I have this uh, pull-up bar. And it's easier if it's there, I get the visual cue, and then I can just like do two pull-ups, or I end up doing more pull-ups. So tying it up to something that you're already doing, that you have a cue that then alerts you to do something, just makes it a lot easier. There's a ton of other stuff that we could go deep into habits, but I think that's another hour, several hours. Mm-hmm. At least. Well, I like the perspective you brought up. Um, ver- I want to run a marathon versus I want to be a runner. And I think they are two different thought processes where one is a goal and one is more down the line of a passion and can passions be the impetus for habits. What do you think about so, that one? I think we need to look at passions. I think in general, we have a... I don't know where it went wrong, Kathy, but people are beating themselves up all the time about doing different things instead of actually looking at what brings you joy. Exactly. The best form yeah. of exercise is the form you do. Um, I was going to curse, but like so, but like what the F is about like, okay, you need to do a HIIT training. Sure, that's the best and the most efficient from many things health-wise. But look at what makes you happy. Like it's better to go dancing than, mm-hmm. and yes, it's good to have that knowledge that uh, doing just sprinting uh, two times a week, 30 seconds, that can do big benefits to your health. But the most important is that we actually find things that align with who we want to be and that we're living a happy life. And then the other things are going to come more easy. And for most people, if they look at who they really want to be, there's a lot of healthy habits in that, but they need to select those habits that align with who you want to be. And we need to stop beating ourselves up so much. I like your, you know, your, your goals and, and your biohacking goals to be a dad, to be flexible, to be able to move. I think sometimes we just go too grand or we go to uh, what social media is, is telling us is the goal that we should have. And I think, you know, maybe the biggest biohack of all is trying to figure out where passion crosses goal crosses happiness. And if you can give us the one biohack for that, please Gratitude journal. (laughs) I think gratitude journal is the thing that everyone should implement. I agree. I've done it since 2013. And I coach a lot of people. And often they don't know what makes them happy. Mm -hmm. So like people that are in their 40s, for example, and it's like, so what makes you really happy? And they're kind of numb. Oh, a few things they can come up with, but they're not that clear on what actually makes them happy. And it takes so little time to write down a few things you're grateful for. There's so much sign that shows that it works. You can do it as a partner exercise back to our earlier conversation. Sharing with your partner what's something you're grateful for or sharing it with your kids or sharing it with friends. It's such a simple and is going back to the 80-20. It takes so little effort. Mm-hmm. It gives massive results. When I talk to people about gratitude, I I do find a lot, especially people who are going through an illness. Um, And, you know, for me, uh, every morning I wake up and, you know, I can put my feet and when I can put my feet on the ground, I I wake up, I put my feet on the ground and I'm just thankful for the the potential of another day. And that can be the very first thing when it comes to gratitude. We always want to go so big. And I think that, it takes away from the beautiful little things that life is about. I really do. I fully agree. Actually, like that conversation I had with a, a coachee the other day where she wouldn't allow herself to, well, it was kind of ingrained. She knew she had to let go of it. But from her childhood, she was being taught that uh, she should enjoy like small pleasures, small brains. I was like, wow. Mm. Yeah, wow was right. Yeah, I was like, wow, that's... It's so strong now that you know because you can do something about it. But I think it's way too many people in our society are thinking like we shouldn't appreciate the small things. And and whether you think it because you learn it or you think like, oh, if I appreciate the small things, I won't have to drive to reach the big stuff. We know that's wrong as well. We know from the Happiness Adventures, Sean Anchor, the road, like we know happy people are more productive. 
And if you can enjoy the small things, you're more likely to deal well when uh, when a situation hits. And again, it's about the journey. <laughs> again, I'm like, where did we go wrong? Like, what is it that we've been taught? Like all that focus on like one external goal and like how long are you happy when you get there? Like the biggest goal that you like, was it a year? No. Was it six months? No. Was it three months? Probably not. Was it a month? Like often the goals that we're chasing, it makes us happy for what? hours, apparently some days, maximum weeks, right? Yeah. So we really need to focus a lot more on the process and being joyful in that process instead of, yeah, only chasing And what your day. true, what the things that truly mean, you know, what what are the things that truly have value for you and are, have meaning? And sometimes, you know, maybe it's the way life is ingrained. You go to school, you, um, you know, you learn with the the overall intent of being a good earner and having a career. And, and maybe the small things are lost in that. Um, I do think that sometimes it can be a learned process. It's sad that we have to learn to appreciate the small things, but I think sometimes that is part of the the process is how we are maybe brought up not to appreciate the small things. I fully agree. The wonderful thing is we can listen to podcasts like this and relearn because life, like there's so many beauties and miracles in life. And it can sound like if someone is sitting in a hard place and you might be like, God, that guy is annoying. Um, and that's fair to say. Um, but try and see if you can write that gratitude journal and just count some of your few blessings. And that's not to say that life can't be super tough or it is tough, but there's still some beauty that we can actually find. And we might as well appreciate that while we're here, no matter how hard the the world is. Absolutely. Life is not about attaining perfection. And I think um, the, the the quicker we learn that, the, the, the happier we'll be. Um, I, I love the message. I, you know, it's it, going back to you saying, you know, your goal and, and your big biohack is to be a, a healthy, movable dad. That's wonderful. I think that's a, a, a great, I think it puts everything you're saying and everything you're doing into a great perspective for people to, to, to start on this journey. Thanks. Uh, it's 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 been such a pleasure to I, this is probably one of my favorite topics is just talking about little pieces to string together towards health uh you know i talk about nutrition and we talk about you know little goals and and never losing the joy in what you're eating never losing the joy in how you move and uh it's been wonderful talking with you i really appreciate you taking the time to be with us Thank you so much for having me on. It's definitely something that's close to my heart as well. And again, this, the amazing thing with biohacking is kind of just a framework to figure out what works for you and then mm -hmm. what also brings you joy. That's why those questions about what brings me joy, does it save me time? Is it helping with something I want to accomplish, which should be uh, something bigger than running a marathon, but actually being a present dad or a good uh, partner or contributing to other people and so on, because that is what gives us joy anyway. Absolutely. If people wanted to get in touch with you to find out about your podcast, maybe you can introduce your podcast to everybody. Um, how, how do we go about uh, reaching you? Sure. So um, my website is growthisland.com. So growth like in growing and then island like an island. And that's the same name of my podcast. So if you go to any of the podcast providers or YouTube and type in growth island, you should be able to find it. I use Instagram quite a lot where I also share more stories about basically just happy stuff, uh, things that amazes me and so on. And that's Mass M Free. So Mass M A D S M F R I I S. Um, people are free to reach out on LinkedIn as well if uh, that's the platform that you're on. But it's mostly Instagram and LinkedIn and then my, uh, my podcast and my website that I use. Wonderful. And we'll have all that information, of course, for everybody when the podcast comes out. Uh, again, uh, Mads, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a, a real pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks. And everybody, we will talk to you next week on The Health Hub.
You have been listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.